Hey guys, welcome to the Fellowship Greenville Students Podcast. This week, Drew Reynolds teaches on Jonah 4 and feeling angry towards God. We look at God's compassion towards Jonah and how Jonah still struggled with anger in his heart. Drew talks about how God knows what's the best plan for us and how we can respond in gratitude instead of anger. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, what's up everybody? How are we? Okay, decent. Hopefully we'll get a little bit more pumped up as the night goes on. Um, my name is Drew Reynolds. Uh, I am a junior at North Greenville University. I know last time I said I was a junior, senior-ish. Well, I figured it out, so I'm a junior. I graduate in May of 2022. I think that's next year, maybe. It's 2021, right? Yeah, okay, 2022. That's when I'll be graduating, um, and uh, Matt asked me to come in and speak um, for you all tonight, and I'm thankful, blessed. Uh, thank you, Matt, for having me come in. I mean, I love, I love coming here and seeing you guys, um, seeing y'all grow up. It's kind of crazy, uh, growing up at this church. I've known some of y'all since you were pretty young, so just saying. Um, and I'm honestly encouraged and blessed to see the spiritual growth uh, in some of you all. So just want to say that, throw that out there. Um, so today, if you all want to turn in your Bibles to Jonah chapter 4, have any of y'all ever, any of y'all named Jonah real quick? Nobody named Jonah? Oh, that's a bummer. That would have been cool. Um, well, anyway, Jonah 4 is the text that we're going to be looking at tonight. Um, and before we dive into the text and just break, break it down and, and talk about Jonah and God's compassion and his, Jonah's response to God's compassion, um, I want to give a little bit of a background on the book of Jonah. So Jonah is one of the minor prophets, and unlike other um, prophetic books, there aren't any like huge lengthy oracles of judgment. It's basically just a story about this dude named Jonah. Um, and uh, Jonah was a real figure. He prophesied in the court of Jeroboam II. I know that's a name you'll probably forget, but just this guy did exist, okay? Uh, his name is Jonah. <laughs> um, so this is the text we're going to be looking at. It's Jonah 4, the entire chapter. I'm going to read it. I'm going to pray. And then we're going to dive right in. So um, if you are there, hope you are. I'm going to read uh, Jonah 4, verse 1. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please, please take my life from me. For it is better for me to die than to live." And the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. And he sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. Now, the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, it is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city, 
in which there are more than 120,000 people who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle. Super important there, cattle. Um, But that's the text. Um, I'm going to pray and we're going to jump right in. So God, um, would you be with us tonight? God, would you convict our hearts of sin that may be present, God, in our lives? God, would you give me the the strength to um, communicate these biblical truths clearly to these students, God? Um, Would you be with me as I'm wrestling with some of the things that some of the themes of this book, God, would you work in my heart, God, and work in all of our hearts to draw us closer to you and help us to see that you are better, God, and that um, through your son, Jesus, the hope that we have in him, things can be well with our souls, Lord God. That is a wonderful truth, God, and I thank you for this evening. I thank you for tonight, God. Um, be with us as we talk about your word. In your name we pray, amen. Where's Taylor? Shalarp. Do you leave? I can't believe you didn't say Zaxby's. Gosh. Anyway, um, Zaxby's is incredible. I don't know. Anyway, I just was thinking about that um, after I finished praying, obviously. Um, so, got a really quick story for you guys. And I just, this was not the original story I was going to tell. I had a different story about me in high school. But just like 727, three hours ago, um, I just had a circumstance happen in my life that is literally like, ties perfectly in with what we are talking about tonight. Um, you ever had beef with somebody? Like, okay, okay. You're not eating beef with somebody. I'm saying like, you, like, you, like, you beefing. You know what I'm saying? Like you, like, like, you don't like somebody. Somebody did something to you or you did something to them and y'all are just like at it. I'm not talking about Arby's or anything. Um, so you got conflict with somebody. So there's this person in my life that I have had conflict with for a hot minute. I mean, way longer than it should have been. Um, and I was working out today. Hey, let's go. Uh, getting big. Uh, trying to, at least. Um, no, actually, I was trying to get away my stress of finals coming up. That's what I was doing. So, um, uh, so I'm sitting in the gym, and this person's there. And uh, this person's next to me, and I make a sarcastic comment because, <laughs> that's awesome. I'm, I make sarcastic comments. Uh, I'm a sinful person. Hello. Hi. I'm a Drew. I'm a sinner. We all are. Anyway. Um, <laughs> And uh, so I make this sarcastic comment to this person, and this person looks back at me and makes the sarcastic comment back, and it becomes this, like, five-minute, like, bickering at each other, like, in the gym with, like, people around, and people are, like, looking at us, like, we're, I'm serious, this is a real story, this happened this morning, or afternoon, and we're just talking, conflict, conflict, eventually I say something like, like, uh, oh, he went there, <laughs> and uh, this person, um, you know, puts their AirPod back in and walks out. Like, just straight up walks out. And, like, all the other guys in the gym are looking at me like, dude, what just happened? Like, <laughs> like are you good? Are you all good? Like, what just happened? And um, I, I realized pretty, pretty immediately, like, okay, I really just messed up. Like, that was <laughs> swing and a miss, hardcore. Like, what are you thinking? Um, and I, uh, you know, call this person. I'm like, hey, can we talk real quick? Like, I, I'm preaching a sermon on anger tonight. <laughs> um, and I definitely think we should have this conversation. And I, I apologized for, for what I had said. Um, and this person was gracious enough to, in that moment, like five minutes after it happened, to forgive me and show compassion to me and um, recognize that, you know, I, I had stress with finals coming up and just not thinking clearly and sinned. And, and this person forgave me. Um, I did not deserve that kind of compassion, that kind of grace. In the same way, God shows compassion grace and love to us, even though we are undeserving sinners. Um, the point of this 
passages that God shows uh, compassion to sinners, um, both generally and personally. Um, so the question then becomes, how do we respond to God's compassion, this compassion that he shows to us even though we don't deserve it? The first way we should respond is with acceptance. So I want to look at this text real quick. Jonah 4, verse 1. It says, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. I want to talk about, okay, what exactly is the it here? What displeased Jonah um, exceedingly? So if you look with me back in chapter 1, you don't have to turn there. I'm just going to basically talk through the story real quick so we kind of get a glimpse of what's going on here, why Jonah is displeased. So we see chapter 1, verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come through, come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So God came to Jonah and said, Hey, I want you to go preach repentance to the Ninevites. Ninevites are an Assyrian city. They don't know Jesus. They're running from pagans, right? And Jonah says, Nah, I'm going to go to Tarshish. And uh, so he went to Joppa, found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare, went on it, to flee from the presence of the Lord. Great idea, right? No, it's not. Uh, but the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. And the mariners were afraid, and they each cried out to his God. And, and Jonah recognizes, hey, look, um, it's my fault that y'all are going through this storm right now. Um, he says, he says, pick me up and hurl me into the sea. This is verse 12. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. So they do so. They chuck him into the sea. And the sea ceased from its raging. We see that in verse 15. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly. And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. I mean, we, we even see this contrast, how they cried out to their gods earlier in the chapter. Then we see that these men feared the Lord exceedingly. And they offered a sacrifice. And what's Jonah doing? Running from God. These, these guys who are focusing on their own gods, like the storm's happening and they're like, oh, I need my God to show up. Well, obviously, there's only one true God and they recognize it. But Jonah is still running from the Lord. We see the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and just making sure you're all with me. Cool, perfect. And then <clears throat> Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of a fish. Wow, that's crazy. And um, belly of a fish, man, could not be me. Um, he called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. And it says, going in verse 10 of chapter 2, And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. I mean, we're just like, this is a story. Okay, this is awesome. <laughs> Homie's like running from God. <laughs> Ship, storm, chuck him in the lake, water, fish praying, get spit out. You think Jonah would like get the point, right? The word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. This is chapter three. He says, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. There we go. Can we just give it up for Jonah? He's doing it. He's doing it. That's right. Okay. I was not expecting y'all to clap. That's funny. Um, so, and it says in verse five, the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth. And then we see in verse 10, God shows compassion. He says, when God saw what they did, 
how they had turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he said he would do to them, and he did not do it. This is what displeased Jonah exceedingly. He is not accepting of the Ninevites' repentance. He is not accepting. He says, oh Lord, isn't this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I fled to Tarshish. And then he quotes uh, Exodus 34. He says, for I know that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. See, Jonah knows what God is up to. He's just not about it. He's not accepting. He says, therefore now, oh Lord, please take my life from me. It's better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? We're going we're gonna to hang out there in a second. But really quickly, I want to talk about the life of Jesus real quick. Um, did Jesus have this unaccepting attitude of sinners, or did he have an accepting attitude of sinners? Well, if you see in Luke 17, Carlos, you want to come up here real quick? I got a mic for you. I hope it works. Um, Carlos, right? Marcus? Marcos. <laughs> that's, an, that's a B minus for me. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Okay. You're going to read Luke 19.7 for, for us. And when they saw it, they all grumbled, quote, he has gone in to be the guest of a man who's a sinner. That's right. That's the context of Zacchaeus. You all know Zacchaeus? Tax collector. Nobody liked him because he was stealing everybody's money. And Jesus says, hey, Zacchaeus, I'm hanging out with you today. And what did the people do? They grumbled, right? They were unaccepting of Jesus going and spending time with sinners. We also see in Luke 15, verse 2, Sam, right? You want to come up and read uh, verse 2 for me? I picked these people beforehand. This isn't just random. Do you have a Bible or am I doing it in mine? Okay, that's fine. All right. Read Luke 15, 2 for me. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, quote, this man receives sinners and eats with them. That's right. That was good. And then, stay up here, stay up real quick. We then see the story of the prodigal son, right? Jesus tells these uh, three parables. He gives one of the lost sheep, then of the lost coin, and then of the prodigal son. And we can see this attitude of the scribes and Pharisees in uh, verse 28. Jesus kind of compares them to the older son. Sam, you want to read verse 28 for me? Uh, But he was angry. But he was angry and refused to go. That's right. Give it to him. That was good. You're good. So we see Jesus is accepting of sinners, right? We see Jesus is accepting of sinners. And yet the scribes and the Pharisees are unaccepting. They grumble. They complain. Why is this guy hanging out with sinners? What's the deal with that? So what are some situations in our lives where we are unaccepting of people? Maybe maybe God has chosen to bless that one person that you can't stand. How do you respond to that? Are you like Jonah? Do you have anger? What happens when your best friend's parents stay together through a tough situation and yours, yours don't. What's your response? Do you rejoice with them or do you, are you stuck in jealousy? These are questions that we have to ask ourselves. 
Does the anger you may experience about situations, about things that happen, about the things God does, is that anger helping you get better grades? Is that anger helping you have good friendships? Is that anger helping you grow closer to the Lord? Is that anger helping you get in your Bible every single morning or evening? Is that anger helping you keep it together on, on, the, on the basketball court, on the tennis court, on the dance floor? Seriously. I'm going to ask the same question that the Lord asked Jonah. Do you do well to be angry? I think if we're honest with ourselves, I know if I'm honest with myself, the answer is no. Anger, I sometimes think that anger, I'll be like, oh, this is what's going to drive me to be better. And like, who cares about the haters? Like, this anger is going to drive me to be awesome. That doesn't work. <laughs> that does not work. I mean, the Lord asked Jonah, do you do well to be angry? So that's the question that I want to ask you. Are you unaccepting of the way that God demonstrates his grace to people? Or are you accepting? Are you angry about the, of the things he does? The way that you perceive he has treated you in your life. Are you angry about it or are you accepting? It's the question I want to ask you tonight. Now, the second way that we should respond, the first one is acceptance, and the second is with gratitude. Now, this is where the story gets, I mean, it just cracks me up. Okay. It says, Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. I can just see Jonah. I mean, because he's already not about it, about the repentance of the Ninevites. He's walking out there. I mean, he's huffing and puffing like, man, I can't believe God's saving these people. Um, and, you know, we see all this, you know, almost like comedic portrayal of Jonah. But <laughs> the truth is, like, that's us. Often in our lives. But anyway, um, he said he made for a booth for himself. He sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade on his head. And then it says, when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. We see throughout this text, we see God appointing his creation. Verse four of chapter one, but the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea. And the Lord appointed a great fish, verse 17. And the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out onto dry land. That's verse, chapter 2, verse 10. And the Lord appointed a plant. And the Lord appointed a worm to kill the plant. He also appointed Jonah. See, all, every, all the rest of God's creation obeys him at his very word. And Jonah is disobedient. It says, when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah, and we see this attitude of, I kind of want to die. This is lame. I don't want it. No, I'm out here watching these Ninevites. This is not good. I don't like this. We see this ungrateful attitude of Jonah. And the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, and it came into being in a night and it perished in a night. Essentially, God's appealing to his power and saying, you didn't appoint that plant. I appointed the plant. I also appointed that worm that killed the plant. I'm in control of this whole thing. And Jonah's ungrateful. Even for the little bit of shade that he had, he's ungrateful. I think of the story of Job. The story of Job is it's very complex. Um, it's a book that's not even set in the Hebrew land. It's this faraway place called Uz. 
This guy named Job has everything a man could want. I mean, he's balling out. I mean, he's got the cattle, he's got the livestock, and that's like nice clothes back in those days. Like if you had cattle, you had like Gucci's or something. Um, is, that, is that good shoes? I don't know. I'm just throwing names out there that I know. Louis Vuitton. There we go. That's rich. Um, uh, yeah, so, or newbies. Um, so anyway, um, wow, I definitely lost track on that one. Talk about Louis Vuitton. Yeah, Job. Okay, rich guy. Um, that was a Drew moment. That's hilarious. Um, <clears throat> Job has everything a man can want. And this uh, character called the accuser in the Old Testament goes to God and says, I want to I test one of, one of your people. And God points out Job and says, yeah, this guy's, this guy's obeying me. And uh, God tests Job and takes away everything from him. And Job has uh, a wife, and she says, you should curse God and die. That's, that's her advice to him. So not great advice. Um, and then Job has three friends pull up, and their names are Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. I hope I said that right. Um, Bildad, no, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. Guys pull up and they're all like, you must have done something wrong. There's no way that God would treat somebody like this if you were perfect, if you were actually living righteously. And we see Jonah, or sorry, Job, appealing to God and saying, God, like, why is this happening to me? I don't understand why everything was taken away from me. I have boils over my head. My sons and daughters are dead. My wife is telling me to curse you. What's going on? And then we see this fourth friend show up his name's Elihu, or Elihu, one of the two, hopefully, and it rhymed too, huh? Um, and this guy rebukes Job, right? He says, Job, man, uh, I don't know why you're questioning God. Like, you got to get right. You need to be righteous. You, you need to get back to, you need to repent. You can't be rebuking God like that. And then we finally see God's response in Job 38 through 40, 42. God's response takes up four chapters. And... Essentially, the main point that God makes is, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? That's the question that he asks Job. He says, where were you? When I, am I not in control? He appeals to his mystery and just says, Job, trust me. He doesn't necessarily answer the question of why these things happen. He says, where were you? Because I was there. I created this whole thing that you're living in. I am in control of this whole thing that you're living in. In the same way, we are not in control of our circumstances. If we were, we would screw it up because we are sinful. But God, who knows everything and is in control of this whole, his whole creation, he knows the, the number of hairs on your head, a number that you guarantee you do not know. He is in control of your life. And whatever may happen in your life, what will your response be? We see that Jonah's response was anger, anger at the plant, the plant that was taken away from him. How often do we get mad at little things in our lives when they're taken away from us? Let's be honest with ourselves. How often do we get angry when something gets taken away from us. Maybe it's a friend that moves and we get super angry about it. Doesn't God know what's best? Do you, do you trust God with your friend moving away? And I'm not, I'm not denying the fact that that can be difficult. It is difficult. It's happened to me. It is difficult. 
When someone that you know and it, it is close to you passes away, I know that is difficult. But will you be grateful for the fact that God is in control and that he knows best? God knows. God knew that this was the best thing for Jonah in this time. He taught Jonah a lesson. Hey, you did not make this plant. You didn't make it grow. It came into being in a night, and it perished in a night. You didn't do anything to help to make that happen. I did. I'm in control. So I ask us tonight, will we respond with gratitude? Not ingratitude, gratitude. Not anger, gratitude. Will we be grateful? Will we be thankful to God? And the fact that he is in control of everything. Now I think the greatest act of compassion that God has shown, it's actually not even a debate. The greatest act of compassion that God has shown is sending his son Jesus to die on a cross for sin. So that all who would believe would have eternal life and live in perfect relationship with him forever. What is your response going to be to that act of compassion. Will you be unaccepting of the gift itself and also unaccepting of others who may accept that gift? Will you be accepting of the gift? Will you buy in totally to Jesus? Will you put your trust in Jesus knowing that he is in control of everything and that he is coming back to restore this world? Will you accept it? Or will you reject it? Also, will you be grateful for the gift of Jesus Christ? Or will you be ungrateful? Will you be cynical? Will you question? Oh, I don't know. I don't, sometimes I'm a Jesus fan. Sometimes. Or will you buy in completely to Jesus Christ? the Lord of lords, the King of kings. What are, you, what are you going to be grateful for? What are you going to accept? Because I can tell you one thing, the world is offering you a lot of gifts. The world offers you, hey, yeah, you can, you can do that with that person. Yeah, you can mess around with your girlfriend or your boyfriend. That's, that, that'll work. That's, that's a gift. That, that's good for you. That's what the world's going to tell you. But the gift of Jesus Christ, the one who has conquered sin and rose again from the dead, and now he, he, he's seated at the right hand of the throne of God, reigning over this world. Will you trust him or will you trust the things of this world? Will you accept this gift of salvation that God has offered? And I, th I think that the words of Jesus are important to remember here. Jesus says to deny yourself. What does that look like? That looks like putting away the things of the world and following after him. We see that we see that God is in control of all. He appointed this whale to swallow up Jonah, a disobedient prophet. And, and appointed the whale to spit him back out. He appointed this plant. 
God saw what the Ninevites did, how they repented of their evil way. And God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. He had the power to do so. But because of the Ninevites' repentance, he did not punish them. So I ask you tonight, will you accept Jesus? And I know some of you are like, yeah, yeah, I'm already a Christian. Are you bought in fully? We just had a series talking about a follower where Matt laid out what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. Are you doing that? Are you truly accepting this gift of Jesus? Also, are you grateful for it? Does your life look like somebody who has bought in, who has put their full faith and trust in Christ? Are you praising him for the blessings that he gives you every single day? I know that I fall short in that area. I often forget. But the great gift of salvation in Jesus Christ is enough of a gift to get us through an entire lifetime of struggle. So again, I ask you, will you accept? Will you be accepting? And will you be grateful? Let's pray. God, I thank you, Lord, for your work on the cross. God, I thank you for this story in the book of Jonah about a, about a prophet who was unaccepting of the Ninevites when they repented, God. Would we be not like him? Would we be accepting of others who truly have bought into kingdom life, God, who have put their trust in you? Would we be accepting and loving and gracious to them? God, would we also be grateful for the way that you have chosen to bless us? Because you do not need anything, and yet you have chosen to bless us with so many blessings. You've blessed us with this church, Lord God. You've blessed us with copies of your word, of your love story, God. You've blessed us with your son. Would we be grateful, God, and would that gratefulness guide us to be loving and gracious to others? God, I pray that if there's someone in the room tonight that has not put their trust and hope in, in you, that they have not accepted this gift of Jesus Christ, God, would you work in their hearts, God, lead them to repentance, God, and I, I pray that you would urge them, would you would push them to have a conversation with somebody, God. Father, I pray all of these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.